Okay. We're, uh, we're going to just start in Genesis 16, but we're going to just use that as a launching pad this morning. We don't normally do this. Uh, this morning's going to be a little bit different. Instead of having a regular message, tactically, actually, what we're going to be doing this morning is Bible study. Uh, we're going to do a Bible study on the angel of the Lord. So Genesis chapter 16. We haven't, we haven't done this in a long time. Uh, so instead of, uh, you know, the regular sermon uh, from a text, we're actually going to study out. The, this, there's just not enough time. Even with, uh, did, did anybody check on Nathan, make sure everything's okay? Um, we need to make sure he, he, he didn't get caught in a storm somewhere. But uh, <clears throat> we're not going to, I mean, the angel of the Lord's a big topic. We're not going to get it all covered. But uh, we'll get enough down so that you'll be able to Genesis to Revelation, you're gonna be able to study this out for yourself, all right? So let's not be presumptive, let's call on the Lord uh, to help us study him. (laughs) Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name, and Lord, we wanna acknowledge how desperately we need you. Uh, Lord, we want to show you and see you and declare you as, 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 as who you are. God, you're big, you're awesome, you're magnificent. You're glorious, you're holy, you're wonderful. And so here we are looking to examine an aspect of who you are, how you present yourself to us. And, and, and Lord, I, I don't know about everybody here, but I can certainly speak for myself. I'm little, I'm small, I'm weak. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sharp enough or smart enough, uh, intellectual enough. I'll never have a high enough IQ. I'll never be able to study enough to be able to encompass all that you are. It can't be done. Uh, But God, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for who you are, how you show yourself to us. Uh, You are only ever wonderful (laughs) all the time. And uh, there are aspects of you that are terrifying. And yet at the same time, we can come to you and call you Abba and come boldly to your throne and find it's a throne of grace. We can find grace, uh, your help in the time of our need. And, and so God, you're wonderful in all your ways. Help us to declare that this morning in Jesus' name, amen. So, Genesis 16, um, Hagar meets the angel of the Lord. So you guys know the story. Sarah has an idea, can't have a baby, was promised a baby, never got a baby. How am I gonna get a baby? And then she sees hot little Hagar from Egypt and she thinks there's my solution, uh, she'll be my surrogate. And so she, she comes up with a plan, uh, let's expand the family. You can just spend some quality time with Hagar and she'll bear a child in my stead. And, and instead of Abraham saying, that was the stupidest, most demonic idea you've ever had in your life, Sarah, Sarah, I love you, but, but you're cray-cray. Okay, so instead of rebuking that in Jesus' name, he's like, okay, that sounds like a great plan. And, and so <laughs> they make a baby. She, Hagar, gets full of herself and starts despising Sarah. Sarah gets hacked off. She starts mistreating her. Hagar runs. She runs away. And there she meets 
the angel of the Lord. When Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face, verse seven, and the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness. Verse nine, the angel of the Lord said to her, unto her, return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, behold, thou art with child and shalt bear a son. Name him Ishmael, he's gonna be a wild man. I'm gonna be fighting with everyone, dwelling in the presence of his brethren. Watch verse 13. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her. Who spake unto her? It's the angel of the Lord. That's what the text says. Verse nine, verse seven, verse nine. It's the angel of the Lord that's speaking to Hagar. But she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, thou God seest me. God, you see me, you see me in my affliction, you're with me in my trouble. Man, that's so good to know when you're going through a hard time, you're going through uncertainty, you're going through difficulty, maybe persecution, maybe abuse, God sees you, he's with you. A lot of times as Christians, we, we, we have mistreatment in the family of Christ, you know? <laughs> and we come to the Lord, God, do you, see what I'm, do you see what I'm dealing with? And the Lord's response to us is, welcome to the fellowship right? Like that is, that is God's aim for all of his children. You will be introduced, you will be inducted into the fellowship of his suffering. And if God's people were worth it to him, for him to lay down his life, to give his life in order to purchase us back from our sins, you can lay your life down loving a difficult brother or sister in Christ. Hello somebody. Okay, so thou God seest me. Okay, so Turn to your neighbor. Some of you are already doing it, that's good. The anticipation is palpable. You know, on rainy days, these are good napping days. You just wanna snuggle up and take a nap. Don't do it. So tell your neighbor, stay awake, get on the bus. It's time to go to school. (laughs) Get on the bus, we are going to school. So we said this last time, Okay, lock and load, brothers and sisters. You're gonna miss it if, I mean, we got a lot to cover. We said last time, this is the first mention of the angel of the Lord in your King James Bible. We said it was the pre-incarnate Christ. We just put that, we put that placeholder there. So we have to, because this is the first mention, we gotta pay special attention to the details. Remember, we saw this last week. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, they are never seen. Nobody ever sees them. You can for lack of a better word, sense them. You can know that they are because the word of God declares it, but you're not going to see them as they are never manifest. John 1 verse 18, no man hath seen God at any time. Okay, that's a pretty clear declarative statement. Well, what about all those times when people see God? Well, okay, we're about to explain all of that. No man hath seen God at any time. Well, what about that? No, that was a time. What about later? No, that's a time, okay? No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So you've not seen the Father. You're not gonna see the Father. John 3, 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof. You can tell the effect of the wind, but thou canst not, thou canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So in John chapter three, Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus how the work of the spirit, you must be born again. It's a spiritual birth, here's how it works. You're not gonna physically experience it, 
because of the nature of the spirit. It's like the wind. You can see the effects of the wind, you don't actually see the wind. Uh, those molecules, you just look right through all of them. You, they're there, you just can't see it. You can only see the effect. They're never manifest. The only member of the Trinity that you ever see is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus declares this, John 14 verse nine, Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you? He's talking to the disciples. Yet thou hast, uh, and yet hast, not, hast thou not known me? I've been with you all this time, you still don't get it, you don't know me. Thou hast, yet, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. No man hath seen God at any time. Yet, we all can. But it's through the person of Christ himself. This is why Isaiah chapter nine gives him these wonderful names, right? Um, you know, wonderful counselor. I mean, just beautiful names for the Lord Jesus Christ. One of his names is everlasting what? Father. Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because our God, right, the Lord our God, Jehovah our Elohim, this singular God who manifests plural, he is three persons in one, when he interacts with us, it's all through the person of the second member of the Godhead, the Lord Jesus Christ. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Okay, so let's get down into this. You need to know a few technical terms uh, as we get into this study on the angel of the Lord. Let's just start with the first word in the phrase, angel. I mean, I think you've got the down. We're talking about a particular angel. The angel, an angel is a messenger. And the word is translated in relationship to the word or concept of messenger almost 100 times in your authorized version. Strong's calls it, it says it comes from a root meaning to dispatch, that's key, think about that. An angel is one who is dispatched. So someone in authority is sending what? Representation, that's what a messenger does. This is a key fundamental concept for us to grasp if we're gonna get the concept of the angel of the Lord. So a messenger is dispatched from someone in authority. To dispatch as a deputy, a messenger, specifically of God. Uh, we're talking about messengers in the Bible, angels. So you'll see it as ambassador, angel, king, messenger. Okay, so here's the key. Get this down in your notes. A messenger appears. A messenger appears on behalf of the sender. So if I said, okay, uh, I'm looking for Nathan because he was supposed to talk about the the, the jail ministry, uh, the opportunity in the jail ministry. I'm a little nervous. Kind of feels like a no call, no show. I hope he's okay. So I hope I just sent someone to go find Nathan and make sure he's okay. Did I do that? I did that, right? Okay, so, so now Mitch is hunting down Nathan and you know what? What's Mitch gonna say? Sam's looking for you, he wants to make sure you're okay. What is, what is Mitch Dobson? He's my angel. <laughs> In the morning, angel. Okay, Mitch is my angel. He's my, he's my messenger. <laughs> That's not right. God forgive me. Okay, so a messenger appears on behalf of the sender. So let me give you a parallel concept to consider because I don't get to be emphatic scripturally, but I'm telling you, and I heard this from an old timer, 
Now here's a concept that does not misfire in your Bible, okay? Here it is, angel appearing. Every time you see the word angel, if you will just keep this parallel concept in mind, an angel is an appearing. For what purpose? Well, to minister, to message. This angel is ministering, it's messaging, it's appearing on behalf of God. Now, angels are ministering spirits, okay? They're rank and file, and and very clearly in your Bible, angels as created beings, they're not God, they're not to be worshiped as God. They are very clear about that in scripture. Okay, we're talking about a very special appearing in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in this concept of the angel being the, this appearing, uh, which I, I, I have to agree with the old timer, right? I don't, I don't know that it, that it misfires. Matthew 18.10, this would be your, your typical linchpin verse for the concept of a guardian angel. Okay, so maybe you had some children's books or some or some, you know, hokey china. It's got a picture of a baby with an angel looking over it. You know, everybody has, oh, I almost got run over today. I think my, my guardian angel took some bruises, you know, and so I'm not against that. I just don't know how to def- emphatically declare it necessarily. There's, the angels are ministering. I'm sure I've met angels and didn't know it. I, I, like, I know we're outnumbered, the odds of, the odds that I've gone, that I've lived this long and I've not met an angel is probably zero. Um, you know, I, so I get that. There, you know, maybe some angels have taken a few bruises on my behalf, but, but, I, I, but just think about this. In terms of an appearing, an angel being an appearing, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, talking about the children. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Well, there, there you go, right there. Every little child has a, has a guardian angel. Well, then the guardian angel's in heaven and the child is on earth, and hopefully they can move at the speed of thought. Uh, if the child's about to touch the hot, hot stove, I know this, my guardian angel let me down a number of times over the years. <laughs> so if that's what it is, then there's an issue there. <laughs> but. Anyway, I, it's, a, it's a neat thought. Okay, so maybe that is their guardian angel. angel. Hebrews 1.14 talks about them as angels as being ministering spirits on God's behalf. But remember, okay, people are not just physical. We looked at this in some depth when we went through 1 Thessalonians. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a very complex and intricate and just, uh, you're a phenomenal creature. Like, you're wondrous. You're, you're, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm not just saying that to try to get you to think highly of yourself. I'm just giving you the raw data on what God did when he built you out, okay? You are a multi-dimensional being. Well, I'm just stuck on a timeline that's got no, no prospects in its future, no raise it. Okay, I'm just, I'm telling you, you're kind of a, you're, you're, you're kind of a freak, man. You're kind of a big deal. I mean, it's, a, it's incredible the way you're made, you're a, you're a multi-dimensional being. You're not just physical, you're spiritual as well. Okay, in Genesis chapter two and verse seven, God forms a body from the dust of the ground. He puts his spirit into that body. He breathes, he inspirates him. He inspires him, he inbreathes him. The spirit of God indwells in that body that he makes from the dust of the ground. And then the Bible says Adam became, right? Man became a living soul. 
So you're a, you're a tripartite, right? You're, a, you're, a, you're a kind of a trinity in terms of what makes you up. You have a physical form. There is a spiritual component that gives actual life to you in order for you to be. That is your soul. That is the, the nexus of who you are. You have a soul. And so as such, you are now a multi-dimensional being. In Romans chapter six, when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, God, because you're multi-dimensional, God takes you out of time and he puts you in eternity. So now you are crucified with Christ, present tense. Read Romans six. You are buried with Christ, present tense. You are risen with Christ, present tense. How did that happen? Well, because now you're not just stuck in space-time, you're connected to the eternal. Is everybody with me so far? Okay, stay with me. Uh, you're a spiritual being. You're multidimensional. So check it out. Here it is, Ephesians 2, verse 5. When we were dead in sins, this is before you met Christ as your Lord and Savior. Even when we were dead in sins, when you got saved, God hath made alive, God hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us, present tense, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, you are sitting at 40th and Walnut, but you also appear in the person of Christ in heavenly places. So you are, I mean, Paul told the church at Corinth, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So there is, you've, you've got a connection to space-time through your physical form, so right now that's setting at 40th and Walnut, or it's setting, you got scared of the rain, and you wussed out. You weren't gonna melt. Uh, but anyway, okay, so you know, okay, so you're sitting physically somewhere, but then, but then, but then you're seated together in heavenly places in Christ, in Christ Jesus, there it is. Okay, so you can be in two places at the same time. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 14. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them, which, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So there, a person is in two places at the same time. The believing Christian who passes away, their body is buried, but absent from the body is present with the Lord. Where are they? Well, okay, they're in the grave. Where are they? Well, they're with the Lord. What? They're, the physical part has expired. Uh, it's not living anymore, but it's still them, right? So the dead in Christ, Christ brings with them, with him at the rapture of the church. The dead in Christ rise first. They're slammed back into their body with the Lord. We which are alive and remain, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter four, are caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Is everybody with me so far? You are a multi-dimensional being. There is a spiritual component to you. Believers who have passed away, their bodies are asleep, they're in the grave, and yet they are with the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 5 verse eight, we're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So remember this concept, the ability that you have as a finite individual, a created being, you are, you are in physical space-time, and yet spiritually you have the ability to connect to eternity in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're gonna come back to this concept. Two places, same time, y'all, okay? Key concept in getting your head around, or at least attempting to get your head around the angel of the Lord. Two places, 
same time. Okay, number two. These manifestations of Jesus Christ fall into four categories. You're not gonna see the Father, you're not gonna see the Spirit. The part, the, the, the person of God that you're going to see is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this falls into four categories. The first and the most common is what we call a theophany. This, is, this category would be all of the appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ before he was born of a virgin. Um, before his first advent. Okay, so a theophany is the visible representation of the invisible God prior to the incarnation of Jesus, prior to the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And this is what we're seeing here in Genesis chapter 16. The angel of the Lord is still God, but he is separate from God because he can be manifested in one place at one time. This is critical, okay? He's God, but at the same time, he's separate from God because he can be manifested in one place at one time. And that's critical because God can't do that. You say, bro, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Stay with me, okay? God can't just be in one place at one time, can he? I mean, not if we know our scripture. We know that that can't. God is everywhere, once and for all. There's no place God isn't. And God's spirit by nature. So there's no way to get away from him. Psalms 139 verse seven says, whither shall I go from thy spirit? It's kind of a rhetorical question. The answer is nowhere. You can't go anywhere from God's spirit. Whither shall I flee from thy presence? You can't do that. God is everywhere, man. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. I mean, all that there is is God is, okay? This is where the, the, the pantheists kind of take a, an actual concept and then they just go cray-cray with it. Proverbs 15 verse three says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. There's nowhere God isn't. And then we've talked about this concept, John chapter four verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So again, this is why we don't have any physical sightings of the Father. What, he's a spirit. Just like you can't see the wind, you're not gonna see God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. But the angel of the Lord is God in one place at a time in such a way so as to enable you to see him. That's what the angel of the Lord is. He is the presence of God revealed and manifested. So again, this is what we've said. We wanna be consistent. Who is this angel of the Lord? It's the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. He is Jesus before he's born. See, Jesus didn't just show up in a manger in Bethlehem like you or I would do since we never existed before. This isn't the beginning of Jesus at Bethlehem. Uh, You know, you and I, that's how we came to be. We never existed before our birth. No, Jesus left someplace in order to come down and dwell among us. See, Jesus had been around for a very, very long time, even from everlasting. So let's look at some examples of this. Genesis 22, we'll just look at a few examples of the angel of the Lord. And we're gonna prove that he is God himself. Genesis 22 verse 11 says, the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou what? Fearest God, well, okay, that doesn't necessarily prove that this, is, this angel of the Lord is God himself. 
seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from who? From the angel of the Lord. Who's talking here? It is the angel of the Lord, and he's saying, you didn't withhold your only son from me. So who's the me? Well, it's the Lord that called on Abraham to make the sacrifice. So skip down to verse 15. Who's me? Well, the text makes sure you don't miss it, so it brings it up again. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. What did the angel of the Lord said? And I quote, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. He literally said those words. So he is, this angel of the Lord is calling himself God. By myself have I sworn, saith who? The angel of the Lord, that's who's talking in the text. And he calls himself the Lord, because thou hast done this thing, and hath not withheld thy son, thine only son. So you'd have to be blind on purpose to miss that. The text very clearly says in the context that the angel of the Lord is the Lord himself. You look down in Genesis chapter 16 uh, in our text where we're currently at in verses 10 and verse 13, the angel of the Lord is saying, I will, speaking as God. And, and then Hagar calls him, thou God who seeth, right, thou God seest me. She gets who he is and declares him as such. Now, I've got a list here for you to get you, get you started. It's not a comprehensive list, but here are some example passages of the angel of the Lord. It's the angel of the Lord that wrestles with Jacob in Genesis 32. And so Jacob knows what, he knows what happened. He called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. Well, the text says he wrestled with a man. Well, it's the pre-incarnate Christ because he's saying, I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Well, pastor, you said the text in Genesis 32 calls him a man. Doesn't use the term the angel of the Lord. Well, that's okay, Hosea 12 does. Hosea 12, three through five calls this man that Jacob wrestled with the angel. Calls him the angel, Hosea 12, verses three through five. And so does Jacob, Jacob calls him. Okay, so the, in Genesis 32, a man, he wrestles with a man, Jacob knows who he is, and he says, I've seen God face to face. My life's preserved. So you get down to the end of Jacob's life in Genesis 48 and verse, 15, uh, verse 16, and he's telling the story to his family. And this is how he describes it. This, this, this person that he wrestles with. The angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. So he's calling God who redeemed him from all evil. He's calling on him for a blessing on his grandkid. He calls him the angel. God appeared to me. Okay, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter three. Exodus chapter three. The angel of the Lord speaks to Moses from the burning bush. Exodus three, verse two, we're gonna pick it up there. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, unto Moses. Okay, where does the angel of the Lord appear to Moses? In a burning bush, right? In a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Super comfortable place for a person to appear in a flame of fire. Well, it is if you're God. Our God is a consuming fire, okay? And uh, sometimes when people see the Lord Jesus Christ, he looks like he's on fire. Uh, check out Revelation chapter one. I get chills. I've, I, I can't tell you how many times I've read it 
over the years, Revelation chapter one. To this day, without exception, I read that, I read Revelation chapter one, and the hair stands up on the back of my neck. I get goose flesh, okay? Um, I like my Jesus, you know, I like the little baby Jesus with the golden fleece diapers, you know, like. (laughs) No, it's just, he is fearsome. So the angel of the Lord appears to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of this burning bush. So Moses sees it. The bush is not consumed. What's up with that? You know, lightning could have struck something and and there's a fire, you know, what's going on there? It just keeps burning. So he has to go check it out. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, who called out? Who called unto him out of the midst of the bush? Who did? The angel of the Lord. Who's in the midst of the bush? Verse two. The angel of the Lord. What does the text call him? God. God called out, right? God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not, uh, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father. Who said it? The angel of the Lord said it. God is speaking from this bush and he's calling himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon the angel of the Lord. He's afraid to look upon God. The Lord said, I've seen affliction. I'm gonna take them to the promised land. Um, I'm sending you to Pharaoh, verse 10, verse 11. And Moses said unto God, who's he speaking to? The angel of the Lord, right? That's who is in the midst of this burning bush in verse two. Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 13, and Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, the God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? Verse 14, and the angel of the Lord said, again, that's who is in this bush according to verse two. No, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, moreover unto Moses, thus shall you say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever and this is my memorial unto all generations. Have we settled it yet in your mind? Who this angel of the Lord is? Acts chapter seven verse 30 describes this and very clearly ascribes deity to the angel of the Lord. Uh, Since you're in Exodus, turn to Exodus chapter 23. The angel of the Lord leads Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. And I give you cross references there. You see it in chapter 13, chapter 14, but look at 23, 20. This is God's warning <laughs> to, his, to the Hebrew children. Behold, I send an angel before thee. That's what, and they've been seeing that. They know this. I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, right, then will I be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary to, to thine adversaries for mine angel shall go before thee. Now again, think about this. 
the angel being the appearing, the angel being the presence, right? The angel being the messenger, the representation. My angel, mine appearing will go before you. And notice, he has the power to forgive or not forgive sin, according to Exodus 23, verse 21. And they are commanded to obey his voice. When he speaks, he's speaking as God. So here is the angel of the Lord appearing as God, speaking as God. Well, let's keep going. The angel of the Lord stands against Balaam in Numbers 22, instructs Joshua in Joshua chapter five, rebukes Israel's apostasy in Judges six, calls out Gideon in Genesis chapter six, announces the birth of Samson in Judges 13, and their commentary on what just happened, they get the birth announcement from the angel of the Lord. They know what they saw, they said surely we die, right? We shall surely die because we have seen who? The angel of the Lord. No, the text says because we have seen God. That's what they called him. The angel of the Lord commissions Elijah in 2 Kings, ministers to Elijah, destroys the army of Assyria, 2 Kings 19, judges Israel over David's sin, 1 Chronicles 21. The angel of the Lord meets three youths in Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, look at their commentary on it. They're trying to, they're trying to, commit capital punishment. It's, it's really just government authorized murder of these young Hebrew boys, but they, they throw three in, but they see four walking around. He answered and said, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth, so it's not an ordinary dude like the three, right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's not like them. No, the fourth, what's the form? It's like the son of God. The form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now I go ahead and add this in your list here so we can keep all your cross-references together. These would be actually a different term. It's a different type of of theophany. It's called a Christophany and we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, it's the angel of the Lord that ministers to Peter in Acts chapter 12 and and then to Paul in Acts 27 and we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. So here are the attributes of the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord acts as God, speaks as God, uh, you'll, you see him particularly uh, when he shows up, receive worship as God. You know, the transitive property says that if A equals C and, or I'm mean, sorry, I, I just gave it away. <laughs> if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, yeah, yeah. You'd have to be really slow to miss that at this point. Okay, so that's the transitive property. Uh, the, way, the way that you normally will hear this, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it's a, it's a duck, right? It's the angel of the Lord. It's walking, it's talking, it's acting, it's speaking as God. The angel of the Lord, it, it's God. If the thing looks and acts like Jesus, and here's the big picture, and I want you to get this. Here's the thing that we have to understand, because <laughs> here's where it starts to get really trippy. Is everybody with me so far? It's Bible study Sunday. Who's who's not with me? Who's not with me? I'm gonna get you a tutor right now. Everybody's with me? Okay. Was somebody not with me and then they got scared because I was gonna call you out? It's okay, it's Bible study. Okay, right, okay, you're not with, hey, somebody that's really with me, uh, catch this cat right after service, okay? 
And uh, bro, if you'll catch me right after service, I'll hook you up with someone. We're gonna, we're gonna get you all the cliff notes. As a matter of fact, I'll give, you my, I'll give you my notes on this, okay? You'll have everything. Okay, so here's where it gets really trippy. Okay, so d- just get this down. You will never quantify or be able to encompass all that Christ is. The reality is, is I don't know how anybody totally gets their head around this thing. Uh, you have to just come to the place where you understand that, that Jesus is infinitely beyond you. He's beyond me, anyone. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Turn to your neighbor and tell wake up. It's about to get crazy, okay? Look at John chapter three. Now remember, where is God? Where is God? He's everywhere. The angel of the Lord is the manifestation, the appearing of God so that you can see him in one place at one time. So also is Christ. John chapter three, verse 19. He's having a conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus (laughs) is asking him, how can these things be? He's already had his mind blown. He's just heard he's gotta be born again. Uh, My mom's gonna have a big problem with that, Jesus. You know, I'm a full-grown man and I have been eating the hummus. I mean, I've been tearing the hummus up, okay? If I come back to my mom and say, uh, I need back in, I need to be born again, it's war, it's not gonna happen. And this is where Jesus, his response is, look, look, bro, it's a spiritual birth. It's, it's, you have a water birth, you have a physical birth, then there needs to be a spiritual birth. You need to be born again. You need to be born of the spirit. So here it is. Nicodemus has already got his mind blown. How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, art thou master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do not know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. And if I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Like, you can't even keep up on this plane. Like, if, I, if you knew everything that was really going on, Uh, your head would explode. How shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And here it is, he drops the bomb. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the son of man which is in heaven. So here is Jesus having a conversation with Nick, talking about the only guy that has his head around everything that's going on, not just on the physical plane, but also on the heavenly, is not just there talking to Nick, but he's also in heaven. Did you catch that? Uh, The only man, right? The one that came down from heaven, even the son of man. Who's that, the son of man? That's the term for, that's, that's a technical term for the Messiah. This is clearly, without controversy, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's described, he's using his ter- this term for himself, the son of man, which is in heaven. Bro, you're right here talking to me in Jerusalem. No, yes. Yes, he, he's in one place at one time interacting with Nick, but at the same time, he's the God of eternity. And there's nowhere Jesus isn't. He's in heaven. And as Moses lift up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Again, if you were fuzzy on that term, it's Jesus that must be lifted up and crucified on the tree, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So Jesus was there talking to Nick, and he's in heaven at the same time. Well, how did he do that? Well, the, it's because he's God. He's a multi-dimensional being. And if you think about it, that's not that big of a trip for you. 
if you understand how God made you. We are seated together in physical, physical places at 40th and Walnut, and yet at the same time, according to Ephesians chapter two, we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ. So, you know, if, if I can do it, surely Jesus can. Check out Matthew chapter one. This is kind of cool. So Joseph, he's gotten his mind blown. My fiance is pregnant and we've been cool. How did that happen? Well, it's, 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 a, it's a miracle, it's what it is. So while he thought on these things, behold, here it is again, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee, marry thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. There's going to be a manifestation of God that's born of a virgin. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So here is Jesus in two places at once. He's making the birth announcement to Joseph, and yet the Holy Spirit has placed him in this virgin's womb to gestate in human form. Two places at the same time. Well, that's not hard for God. Also in Luke chapter two, verse nine, he announces his own birth and he sings to the shepherds. Luke chapter two, verse eight, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about him, and they were sore afraid. You know, it's passages like this that trip people up. Well, the angel of the Lord can't be the Lord Jesus Christ because the Lord Jesus Christ was a little babe in a manger with his golden fleece diapers and his little cute little sweat, you know. No, God's bigger than that. God's infinitely bigger than an infant form. So the angel of the Lord comes upon them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people, not just to the Jew, but also to the Gentile. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe. Who's he talking about? Himself. You're gonna find me. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, okay, we won't get into the, how the okay, so, so he's a babe, but he's also announcing his birth. He's a babe and he's also instructing his parents. Check out Matthew 2, verse 19. When Herod was dead, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. So he's a babe, a young child, and he's instructing his dad to take him back out of Egypt, back to Israel. Two places at the same time. Well, it gets freakier than that. It's in the Bible, okay? Somebody's gonna leave today saying, that guy is a raving lunatic. Well. Keep looking at what the text says. You'll get there. Okay, so Jesus appears on the throne of God, right? Shown, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, okay? So if you see God, what you're seeing is you're seeing the everlasting Father. You're seeing the person of Christ. And we know, because God is a Father. So he's on the throne as God the Father while he's at the right hand of the Father's throne. At the same time, he's in front of the throne as a seven-horned lamb, all while he's controlling the universe. <laughs> I just, okay, so check it out, Hebrews 12, two. 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at where? Where's his location? Well, at the right hand of the throne of God. So here you see the throne. Whatever you're gonna see there, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you see the Father, that's not what you saw. Because no man hath seen the Father when? At any time. Okay, so if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So that's the Lord Jesus. I'm not saying, again, I can't get my head around the whole thing, okay? There's God the Father, there's God the Son, there's God the Holy Spirit. These three are one. I will will spend eternity and I'll never get my head fully around that, okay? I will know as I'm known. Uh, My vile body will be transformed like unto his glorious body and I'm still gonna drool every time I think about this too hard. So, so there it is. Okay, Hebrews 1.3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, that's who Jesus is, and upholding all things by the word of his power when he hath by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So not only did he redeem us from our sin, but it's by him that all things consist, right? Hebrews 1.3, all things, right? He upholds all things by the word of his power. Colossians 1.17, he is before all things and by him all things consist. So there it is. He's, he's keeping the physical form of the universe in play by the word of his power. It's by the nature of his person that it all is. Okay, now Revelations 5.1, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written and on the backside sealed with seven seals and you keep going and you find out, oh, this is Jesus. Oh yeah, but it's the throne of God. It has to be God on the throne. So here he is, he's on the throne. I saw him that sat on the throne. And then it gets trippier than that. Revelation five verse six says, and behold, right, I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. What are the seven horns and the seven? Those are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. (laughs) I don't know, man, that's what it is. And then it says, and he came and took the book out of the, the right hand of him that sat upon the throne, and when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the, uh, the, uh, the four and 20 elders fell down before the lamb, every one of them ha- having harps, right, golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. They sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. They go on down and they're singing with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And they worship the lamb forever and ever, verse 13. I mean, so there he is at the right hand of the throne, on the throne, his lamb having seven, (laughs) seven eyes and seven horns. I'm just saying, it takes a lot to manifest the person of God. Uh, maybe I can put it that way. It takes a lot to manifest the person of God. Uh, check out Revelation chapter one. Again, you just, you're not going to get your head around all that the person of Jesus Christ is. He's not some hippie looking 
malnourished European blue-eyed, you know, long-haired vagabond, like, you know the paintings, you know what I'm talking about. It's just, oh, he's so dreamy. Okay, no, his, like, like, check out Isaiah 53. Uh, he's not as good looking as Brandon Briscoe when he's got the long hair. Uh, he's, he, it's a homely, it's a homely visage, it's a homely representation. Um, Brand's a dude, so he's homely to me too, but, but I understand he's a good looking guy. Okay, so, it's just, you're not, you're not going to be able to physically keep him in a box, okay? God is a lot, he's infinite, he's massive. Okay, so I, I, don't, I don't know if that last bit there blew your mind or not, but it blows my mind. I, I can't fully get my head around the whole thing. If I, whoever I see on the, if I see him, well, that's the everlasting father. That's Jesus, who's at the right hand of the throne. Well, a represent, a right? It's Christ just sat down on the right hand of the throne. Where else do I see him? Oh, there's a, there's a lamb, seven eyes, seven horns, um, what, what, what verse was that? Revelation five, um, seven? No, it's a, yeah, Revelation five, six. Stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And then it's very clearly, the text defines this lamb as Jesus. Have you ever seen a lamb with seven eyes and seven horns? If you saw that, you would say it's a, it's a mutant. There's something wrong with that thing. This genetics got scrambled, right? I mean, it's not even symmetrical. Seven, <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> I don't know, man. Can't wait to see it. Uh, can't wait to see it. Uh, and the whole time, he's all of that. Jesus is all of that. This pulpit stays together. It's, up, it's upheld by the word of his power. At the, whole, the whole time he's all of that, well it's in him I live and move and have my being. Can I just say this? Jesus is everything. Without him there is nothing. He is, he is our all in all. Jesus is a big deal. Okay, quickly, the rest of the terms. We're running out of time. The incarnation, okay, that's specific. This is the first advent. This is where God becomes man. God puts on flesh. It's called the mystery of godliness. First Timothy 3.16 says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. There it is, born of a virgin. Justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. That's the mystery of godliness. And then a Christophany, another technical term for the manifestation of Christ aside from his incarnation. A Christophany is the appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ after his bodily resurrection. That's the technical term, Christophany. Uh, these are post-resurrection appearances. So an example of this would be Revelation 1. John sees Jesus. That's a Christophany. Uh, he ministers to Peter in Acts chapter 12, verse 7. That's a Christophany. And then Paul in Acts 27. And this is Paul's account of it. Acts 27, 23. There stood by me this night the angel of God, and then look at how he describes him, this angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Well, let me tell you something. In terms of a created angel, you don't belong to them. You don't serve them, right? You don't worship them. They're not deity. They may be celestial, but they're not divine. 
Okay, they are created beings. And here's Paul saying, I belong to this angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Well, who, 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 who does Paul belong to? 1 Corinthians 6.20, Paul himself says, we're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So he's saying, I belong to this cat. Why? Well, it's the angel of the Lord. That's why. Uh, he says he belongs to him, and he serves him, and he knows better. He knows we only belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I belong to this. What is it? It's an appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord is the appearing of the Lord. It's as simple as that. And then the last category would be his second advent appearing. This will come when he returns to earth to take over, right, to conquer Satan. He's gonna take over from Satan the rulership of this world, and you read about that in Revelation chapter 19. I think some of the old timers had it right. I mean, just, I, don't think it, I don't think it misfires. And again, there's not a book, chapter, or verse that gives you this definition of an angel being and appearing, but it's a messenger. It's a representation. And, uh, you know, I think that term gets traction. The angel of the Lord. This is the appearing of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. How we see and interact with the person of Christ outside of his first coming. And so I guess that would be the question on the floor as we close today. Uh, when I was 12 years old, the Lord appeared to me. I heard it in the gospel. Um, you know, I, I'd say the first time I realized I needed God in my life, I was about five years old and I asked my mom, I said, mom, I wanna go to heaven, I want God in my life, how do I do that? And she says, if you'll just believe on Jesus in your heart, you'll be saved. That was the extent of the gospel. <laughs> I got, it was a little deficient. And so I thought, okay, I can do that. And so I went over in the corner of the trailer that we were living in, in Liberty, Missouri at the time, and I said, uh, I just pictured an older man with a long beard in flannel. Okay, I think I got, I, I got my head around who you are. I want you in my heart and my life. Would you be in my heart? And so God honored the prayer of a little child. Um, I wasn't saved at that point, but I was, I was, you know, I, I came to him as a little child the best I knew how on the information that I had. And then I started going to Bible club as a kid. And I'm really grateful to my parents to take me to a, a Bible church where they had Bible club. And I started learning all of the Old Testament stories that show the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I started hearing the gospel. And for a long time, I thought that it was based on my ability to confess all my sin and my ability to have enough faith. Do I have enough faith to be saved? Did I confess all my sin? Uh, did I really, really mean it in my heart when I asked God to forgive my sin? Did I really, really mean it in my heart whenever I called him to be my Lord and Savior? Did I really, really submit my life to Christ? And what I was doing at that time in my life is I was, actually, I was actually replacing the finished work of Christ at Calvary with my ability to be earnest enough, full of faith enough, right, comprehensive enough to be saved. In other words, it was a work on my part. And it wasn't until I was 12 years old that we had a revival, series of revival services in our church. A guy came in and he spent the whole week preaching on hell. And I realized a couple things. 
man, I'm a sinner, I'm going to hell, hell is bad. Okay, that's three things already. Number four, I don't wanna go there. And I'm desperate. Like, do I have enough faith? Will I believe enough? Have I confessed enough sin? You know, like, can I, be, in other words, can I be good enough in order for God to accept me into the gospel? And what I didn't know is my dad had gotten saved a couple of weeks before. I'm crying in my room because I'm going to hell and that doesn't solve anything, so I started crying louder because that's what kids do. I mean, I was 12, I should have been past that, but that's just, I mean, man, I was going to hell, all right? Uh, Like, some things are worth tears, and so now I'm bawling. (laughs) Next thing I know, there's my dad and his tidy whities the room lights on. (laughs) What's going on in here? And I'm like, I'm going to hell. (laughs) And so he's like, okay, get up. He takes me back to his room. And I think he was still in his tidy white. I think I got led to Christ by a man in his undies. If I'm, I can't be 100% certain on that, but just knowing Mike Miles, I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. Okay, so he explained grace. It's not based on what I can do. The Lord has appeared to save me. I just need to receive it. And so as best I knew how, I humbled myself and I said, God, forgive my sin. You know I'll not get it all covered. I believe, help my unbelief. I'm clinging to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I receive you into my heart and life. The Lord appeared to me in the gospel. It's a gospel of grace. You know God's not willing that any would perish. I hope you see from this study today that you'll never get your head around all that God is there's an aspect of God that is terrifying. I mean, come on, he's the creator of everything, and he is a judge. (laughs) And at the end of the day, the wages of sin is death. But God so loved the world, he's not willing that any would perish. Like, that blows my mind, that God desperately loves us. (laughs) He loves us so much, he, he became one of us, he became the second Adam so that he could shed his blood, so that he could give his life to buy us out of our death. This massive, awesome, all-powerful God sees you. He knows you, he loves you, he wants you. You say, well, I've been going through hell, I don't see how. (laughs) Man, welcome to a fallen and lost world. Welcome to a condition that God wants to save everyone out of. With all my heart, I want you to see the Lord Jesus Christ loves you and he has appeared, he sees you. The question is, is will you submit? Will you receive him? Will you surrender to his grace? Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. Lord, I beg you, we, we, looked, at, we looked at some technical stuff today. And Lord, we just wanna confess, um, your word is, is stranger than fiction. <laughs> uh, there are, there's some trippy stuff in it, and, um, but we see, we, we can't encompass all that you are, uh, but what we see, we see that you are massive, you are big, you're infinite, you're all-knowing, you're all-powerful, you're everywhere, and yet you show up in our lives, and uh, you see us, and you love us, and Lord, we're humbled. God, I pray is there, if there's anyone here today that does not know you as the living God, then Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. I pray that today would be the day where they would confess Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords.
and where they would believe on him as, as Savior, as the God of all grace. Lord, I pray that for those of us that are saved, that we would be satisfied with nothing less than growing and knowing you. That's all that matters. Sir, we would see Jesus. Help us as believers to never get over who you are. Lord, that we would we would hunger for your word, that we would want to hear your voice, that we'd want to see your face. God, would you so open our eyes that we would see that you truly are everything. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.